So we're going to dive into our message right away in the book of James. We've got communion afterwards. I'll explain that in a short bit as well. But if you have your Bibles, I'd love you to turn to James 2. Um, if you uh, have a Bible but you don't know where that is, that's okay. It's page 112 in my Bible, so that's not going to help you, but, but have fun getting there anyway. Um, <laughs> it's after the book of Hebrews. It's before um, 1 and 2 Peter. I actually had to check to make sure I even knew that. Um, but if not, get it on your phone. If you need a paper Bible, there's ones at the back that we can get to you as well. Uh, and I've titled today, Faith Without Works is Dead. And some of you might have that title as well in yours. And uh, so I, um, uh, so this is going to challenge us today, as all of James does. And wherever we are on the journey of faith, we were just praying in the pre-service prayer. Anybody's welcome, 8.30 to 8.45. Um, we were just praying about the fact that God would each of us, even us praying there, myself, all of us, would each of us take one step closer to Jesus today. And so if you don't know God today, that's a step to say, let me explore more. Is this God for real? If you do know God, it's saying, God, I don't want to be where I was yesterday. I don't want to be the same as how I walked in today. I want to be different. And so we can open up our hearts and our minds to Him. There's a beautiful passage. It's repeated in Deuteronomy, Jeremiah, a few other places. But it's along the lines of, if you seek God with all your heart, you find Him. And you find Him if you've never found Him before. And you find Him in a deeper way if you have found Him before. But it involves a heart set to want to know him more. And so let's have that posture as we start today. This is what it says. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? You know, what we believe at the very core of ourselves will always affect our behavior. What we truly believe is expressed in how we behave. We naturally live out our convictions. We, pri we will prioritize times and resources to making our beliefs a reality. And so the link between our words and our actions will always show our truest belief in our hearts. You see, if we believe that education at a certain institution or in a certain nation for our children will provide the platform that they need to make it in life, we will do everything in our power and sacrifice greatly for that to be a reality. If we believe that as parents that that's essential, we will sacrifice for it. If we believe that owning a home or having a million bucks in the bank account will bring us a sense of safety, a million US dollars in the bank account, will bring us a sense of safety and security, we'll prioritize that above everything. I've seen that happen. We will prioritize owning a home or building resources in a bank account with all that we have if we believe that is of ultimate importance. Um, if you're a professional sports person, maybe one of the rugby players at the World Cup, and you believe that you can win the World Cup or at least finish top in your sport, your dedication and focus in the run up to that, in how you eat, in how you train, will prove that what you say is actually what you believe. It will prove it. James is saying the same is true of your belief and mine when it comes to Jesus. He's saying the reality of our belief will be shown by our behavior, our lifestyle, our focus, our actions. If we say that we believe in Jesus, our works, how we live, will show if what we're saying is in fact true. And if there's no behavior to line up with what we say we believe about Jesus, the question James poses is, is your faith in Jesus actually real at all? That's the question he's asking, which we believe to be true in many other life um, areas of life. And so he's asking the same for our faith. Now we do need to be careful here though, because our faith in Christ is not based on our actions. 
It's based on receiving God's free gift of forgiveness on the cross. But our actions are the result of the life change that happens as we receive Jesus. This is backed up in Ephesians 2 verse 8. Scripture always affirms itself. Genesis to Revelation, there's always a combined affirmation. And if you see something or hear something that isn't lined up with the general trend of Scripture, you have to ask questions. So Ephesians 2, this is the Apostle Paul writing, and he says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not your own doing, it's the gift of God. And so this backs up that as Christ followers, our belief in Christ is not based on our actions, they're the proof of it. We're saved by grace. That's a free gift. We just receive what Jesus has done. Martin Luther, a famous church leader, he said, we're saved by faith alone, comma, but the faith that saves is never alone. You see that we're saved by faith alone. We just believe, we receive it. We become Christ followers as a result of that belief. But that belief that saves is never alone. It's always accompanied by a change in our lifestyle. And so in the Christian faith, we have a relationship with Christ, a saving faith. Not because we obey laws, not because we are do-gooders, but because we've received the forgiveness for our sins. We've recognized that we'll never reach God's perfect standard and the only way to be right with Him is to have our hearts wiped clean, to be reborn, as it were, from the inside out. And only Jesus can do that. That's what we demonstrate when we get baptized. If any of you haven't been baptized yet today, as Roxy said, it's something Jesus did. It's something He asked Christ followers to do. So there is nothing to hold you back from getting baptized. And so if you never have, or if you were as a baby and you didn't know what you were doing, it's your time. And what happens in baptism, it's a spiritual thing, but it shows that you die to your old way of life, you are raised to your new way of life. So that's how we become Christ followers. We believe in Jesus and we receive forgiveness from Him. But that's not where it stops, that's where it starts. That's the start of our life in Christ. The inevitable result of our heart change is a behavior change. It might not happen instantly, it will happen over time, but it will happen. So let's read a bit further. James uses an example to show this. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm, be filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? We would all say there's no good. We're actually not helping them. So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. This circles back, as we said, this is what James does throughout the book. He circles back to key areas um, that he's spoken of. It circles back to last week's message on the poor. And honestly, if you didn't watch that or you weren't here present and you haven't watched it, please watch it. I was so challenged preaching last week. Uh, it's on our YouTube. You can listen to it on podcast as well. Um, but James uses the example of the poor and how we relate to the poor to demonstrate our belief in Christ. He's saying a phrase like we've just read there, that we've just read. It sounds rather loving and kind at face value. You know, somebody comes to you, I'm just so hungry, I just don't have anything. Somebody comes up and you're just like, oh, you know, I'm just so sorry. Like, off you go, I'll be praying for you. I'm sure the Lord's gonna come through for you. It might sound like religious and loving and caring, but what you're really saying deep down is that you don't wanna get your hands dirty. You don't actually care. You're saying something with your mouth, I care about you as a poor person, but you're not meeting the need that they're after, and so that proves that you actually don't care about the poor. It's just something that you're sharing on the outset. Your actions are proving that you don't care about what your lips are saying. And so in this example, it's showing the disconnect between God's heart and those people's words in the example. God loves the poor, 
And so if you say that you love God, it's inevitable that you will also start to love the poor. You don't just say it as lip service. You would actually do something about it if you truly believed it. Because as we shared earlier, our beliefs are always outworked in our behavior. James says the strong words that if we give God lip service, look what it says, but there's no action. He says our faith is dead. It's not a real faith. It's not a living faith. It's a lip service faith, but it hasn't got to our heart. It's not real. He's saying that when Jesus truly changes our heart, our behavior changes. The way we see the world changes. It's impossible for a new heart not to change the way it lives. And so if you're a believer in Christ today, you've changed from being a lemon tree to being an orange tree. You produce an entirely different type of fruit. You're an entirely different tree. You're not a lemon tree that occasionally produces oranges which we know doesn't really happen, you have become an entirely new tree that produces a different type of fruit. You can't produce the same behavior, the same lifestyle as before. And Jesus says this in Matthew 7, verse 16, where he says, you will know them by their fruit. He's talking about Christ followers. He says, you can look at a Christ follower and you can know that person is a Christ follower. How? Because of the way that they behave. Because of what their life produces. It's meaning that... Our lives will line up with scripture if we believe in the scripture that we say we believe in. Life will line up with the gospel and that's the necessary result of being saved. Saved. Will we ever be perfect? Not at all. We're imperfect people. But should we be growing closer to Jesus and his ways each day? Yes, absolutely. Will we have backsliding times? Will we have times we, we just mess up? Of course. But will our heart's desire be to live for Jesus? Will we want to orientate our lives in that direction? Yes. On this faith, just interesting, being a dead area. Can I challenge Christ followers in the room today? You know, something dead begins to rot, right? Something that's dead begins to rot. It smells terrible. It's not nice to be around. It pushes people away. And the result is summed up by the words of a man called Brennan Manning. He was famous for saying this. I think I've quoted this before. He says, the greatest cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who, like James says, acknowledge Jesus with their lips, but they walk out the, do the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That's what an unbelieving world finds simply unbelievable because it's a dead faith. It's smelly. It's horrible to be around. And so if you're a Christ follower here today, it's a time for us. We'll do this at the end of the service. Today. Lord Jesus, I believe in you and I know I believe in you, but where in my life is it looking opposite? How am I behaving where it's opposite? Because I want to be something that um, is attractive. You see, faith without works is dead. It can't pass on life. Only something living can show the way to Christ. So we need to assess our lifestyles. And we need to see if there's an area that we're not serving our friends and our family and our colleagues in pointing them to Jesus. We're actually pointing them away. James dives a bit deeper into this. Look what he says in verse 18. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You see, there was a common belief. This is what James is saying. There was a common belief in that day, but I would say it's exactly the same in this day, that you could separate your belief and your behavior. That's what the people were saying as it were to James and maybe in church around. They're saying, no, it's okay. I can believe in God and, uh, and, and that's okay. I don't have to behave that way. I believe it's fine, but you can behave that way, James, and you and some of your followers. And James is saying, no, actually, the two are related. 
To be honest, I don't think that's changed. I would say in our city and many other cities, there's many of us living here who would say, oh yes, I believe in God. He's out there. He's the big guy in the sky. He helps me when I need him. He's a bit of a slot machine. When uh, I, I suddenly need to do well in a business meeting or I need something to come through, oh my goodness, that's when I pray. But otherwise, I mean, everything's going well in life. You know, we can live like that in Harare. But I couldn't really care less about living the way he's called me to. No, 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 no. I want to live how I want to live. But yes, I believe. And James is coming at that belief set and he's saying that's impossible. He's saying it's impossible to believe in Jesus and for your lifestyle to not be affected. The two go hand in hand. And he says that that's actually worse than the demons. Because he said the demons, they believe and they shudder. There's an action. They believe there's a God. They may not live for him, but they shudder. There's a response. And so he's saying that it's impossible for us to believe and see in God and there to be no response at all. It can't happen. They're affected by encountering God. And so James says, it's impossible that what we believe in doesn't affect our behavior. And this is so helpful. It really is. Because if you're exploring faith here today, if you're checking out the Christian faith, or maybe you felt, I'm just a Christian. I mean, I grew up like this. I was born into a Christian home. I, I went to, you know, a, a, a chapel services. And, yeah, I believe there's a God somewhere in the sky. I don't live like that, but yeah, I believe I'm sure one day when I die, I'll just float on the clouds with him. I'll fly high with the angels. This is so helpful for you because true belief will affect behavior. It will 100% affect the way that we live. And so you need to assess and go, okay, maybe actually I thought I knew God, but I don't. Maybe I thought he had changed my heart, but I, I, I actually don't think he has. He could change your heart this morning. You can invite him to transform your heart this morning. It's the same as, imagine a seriously overweight person. I mean, I'm talking absolutely obese. And they just say to you, you're having coffee, and they just say, I just love exercise. It just makes me tick. I mean, I just thrive on this. I, I just love it. I'm, I just so love being healthy. And you would sit there and say, mm, that's just, I don't think that makes sense to me. Because there's a little bit of a disconnect between what you profess, but what I'm seeing on the outside. Those two don't seem to match up. And you'd say, well, I don't really think you believe you love exercise. Otherwise, you would exercise. It's the same principle. James saying, well, imagine there's one of you who just says, I don't like all this makeup stuff. I mean, trendy clothes and makeup. Like, that's just on me. You know, I'm just, you know, quite a relaxed gal. And, I, you know, I don't think, you know, of that very much. I don't waste money on it. But yet every time you see that person, they are doled up to the nines. I don't even know what that phrase means, but... I've heard it said before, so I'm assuming I'm saying it in the right context. Is that right for some older people? Is that the right phrase? They're nodding their heads. Okay. See how I classified myself in younger. I actually was so happy. I played touch rugby uh, in the week at lunch times, and uh, I was demarcated this week as one of the youngsters. I just loved it. Um, it made me feel so much better about myself. Anyway, so you know what it means, but uh, you would say to that person, you would say, I don't actually think that to you makeup and clothing is is not important you're saying that but from what i see in your behavior there's a disconnect the same comes to our faith we will always act out how we believe so scripture is explaining that you can't say i love jesus but i also really don't mind getting drunk and i just i love jesus but i yeah i mean i just i just get carried away on the weekends and that's just what i do he's saying well actually no jesus says that drunkenness isn't the way to live and so you can't be happy about getting drunk if you're following Jesus. 
It might, you might just say, well, I love Jesus, but I also just have sex now and then with my, with my boyfriend or girlfriend. I mean, I, I really love Jesus, but I also just, we also do that pretty often. It doesn't happen. Why? There's a disconnect. Jesus says sex is, 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 um, is reserved for marriage. And so when you're following Jesus, you're going, okay, I want to follow you, Jesus. I'm going to line up my life with that because I love you more than anything else. You change your behavior. And so he's saying those two, there's a disconnect. You can't say, I love Jesus, but I also just love being a racist. It's just who I am. Can't say that. Do you know why you can't say it? Because Jesus is the furthest thing from a racist. So you can't say, I love Jesus, but I'm very happy about being a racist myself. It's part of my life, part of what I've been through. Can't say that if we're saying that we are Christ followers. I love Jesus, but the priority of my life is just to make loads of cash for myself. Can't do that. Why? Because Jesus says actually the point of our resources is to extend the kingdom. The point of our, our businesses is to point people to Jesus. So we can't have those sorts of polar beliefs. I love Jesus, but I really don't like his church. I just, I love Jesus, but like church is just not for me. Just, it's just not what I do. Doesn't work. Jesus died for the church. And church is never meant to be in isolation. Do you know why? Because we are all messed up people. And we need to rub shoulders with other messed up people to see that. And so our church will never be perfect. Hope Church will never be perfect. Would I like it to be as close to that as possible? Yes, we would love that. As a core team, we would love that. But is it going to be? No, because we're all messed up people. But uh, we can't say that we don't like church. I love Jesus, but like serving other people is just not for me. I just, I'm just kind of a rather proud person, and I like people to serve me rather than serve them. It doesn't work. Jesus came to serve and not be served. So I say some of these things quite harshly. None of us are going to be perfect in these areas. But I say that to challenge us, that what we say we believe has to be outworked in our behavior. Jesus says things that are the way to live. And if we love him, we want to pursue those. Could we slip in certain areas? As I said, of course, we won't be perfect. But it's our heart's desire and our focus to honor Jesus. And then he carries on. He says, do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Now, this may come across quite harsh. But actually, do you know, the definition of a foolish person is just the opposite of a wise person. That's the definition of it. So James is saying here, if you don't take note of this, you're acting foolishly. You're acting opposite to wisdom, which is a big part of what James lives for in this letter that he writes. So it might come off quite harsh, but he's actually saying, I want to challenge you now to live wisely. Closes off just before we have communion. He closes off with two great examples of faith in action from Scripture. He says, what, was not Abraham our father, Abraham the father of the Jewish nation, wasn't he justified by works when he offered up his son on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the Scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. It says, you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. What's he getting at? Abraham, some of you might have known the story, but Abraham had the situation where God said, hey, listen, I want you to sacrifice your son. It was the era before Jesus had come. There was animal sacrifices to make you right before God. And he said, Abraham, I know you love your son more than anything else, so I want you to sacrifice him to me. And so Abraham's like, gee, well, that doesn't make sense to me, God. I don't think you want me to kill my son, but like, okay, we're, we're, we're going to go on this journey. And God tells him where to go, and uh, he's obedient in this. And at the point where he's about to kill his son, of course, God says, no, that's not going to happen. And he stops it happening, and he provides another sacrifice. But the point he's getting at here is that Abraham, who said he believed in God, 
his belief was outworked by being obedient to God. And so he was saying he believed, and then there was behavior that followed along with it. And his faith, it says, there was completed by his works. That means matured by his works. It means it showed that it was real by what he did. And then Abram was called a friend of God because of his actions. And that's in contrast to those in Scripture who don't follow Jesus. You'll see this through Scripture are called friends of the world. And so you're called a friend of God if you follow God's ways, but you're called a friend of society, a friend of world if you do the others. A quick clarification. Where James says there, um, where it says there in Scripture, it says um, you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. James means that we can't have a false faith. He's not saying that we do works as part of coming to know Jesus. He's saying that our faith needs to be a real faith. We can't pretend to ourselves and to others that we have faith in Christ when we don't truly deep down. Our actions will always show what we believe or not. And then he uses another example as I close of Rahab the prostitute. She was living in an area, spies came in from uh, Israel, and she actually, at the cost of possibly losing her life, uh, she, these spies came into her home, and she actually uh, looked after them. She hid them, and then she released them down a safe way through the window um, of her home, and she actually helped them. And the, the passage here is saying that her actions showed that her life had been transformed by God in that process of encountering these spies and saving them. It showed that she believed in the God of the Bible. And in the closing of part, James rounds it up. Verse 26, For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. And so James rounds it out with the same reminder, the same challenge. He says our faith and our behavior is intricately related. So if you're exploring faith here today, I want you to know Jesus died for you. He paid a great price for you on the cross and you can receive him right now by faith, without actions. You can receive him and what he's done for you on the cross right now. And in this moment, he will make your spirit new. He'll transform it. And then you can start to line up your lifestyle. But first you receive and then you line up afterwards. And if you're a believer here today, it's important for us to take a look at our lifestyles to ensure that they're lining up with the faith that we profess. We don't want dead, rotten, smelly faith that pushes people away because it doesn't demonstrate Christ to a world in desperate need. And so a simple process, and then we'll take communion, we'll pray on the back of it as we close out. Number one, assess if you've given your life to Christ today. Assess if you truly have. Is he the big guy in the sky? Is he the God who's far away? Or has he really changed you from the inside out? That's the first one. You can get that right. Secondly, if we have given our lives to Christ, we need to look at where there's a disconnect between what we say we believe and how we're living. And then do you know what we do? We don't try harder. We don't try harder to be better. We come to Jesus and say, Jesus, would you help me change? Would you give me the strength to change? Holy Spirit, would you help me from the inside out? And he will.